Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Stevie D of the legendary Force MDs, and you're listening to the mix of DJ Aftermath, also known as Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn. Yo, Double D, let's start the show. What up, world? Once again, it's Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn, back with another a1 interview i am very excited to shop it up with the gentleman i have on the line tonight a songwriter artist in his own right um he's worked with Savant. he's worked with kiki wide he's worked with the osley brothers just the list goes on and on that's right folks i'm talking about the one the uberly talented the man himself mr steve stone huff welcome to the line sir how are you doing this evening hey what's happening Hey, what's happening there? Good, good, man. How are you? Bless, bless. Huge fan. Uh, man, your music, sir, has got me through some uh, tough times in life, all the way from a uh, young man okay. to adulthood. So I'm looking forward to <laughs> chopping it up and just hearing about your process and, you know, all that. So let's go ahead and uh, yeah. get right into it. So I understand you grew up in Illinois. Yes, sir. So who were some of who were some of your early musical influences growing up in Illinois? Um, well, I grew up in uh, a place called Evanston, Illinois, which is just uh, north of Chicago um, suburb. And I mean, my influences were uh, primarily at the time gospel because I'm a church baby. Um, was always in church like Monday through Friday uh from you know from birth to you know my my teenage years um so gospel you know whinings entree crouch commission you know shirley caesars williams brothers you know uh gospel was a big part my dad was a blues guy so all he listened to was the blues bb king um the, the usual the usual suspects uh bobby blue bland was one of his biggest uh biggest fan uh, he was one of his biggest fans so we heard a lot of the blues in the house and and then r&b we came you know i came from a pretty musical family you know so isley brothers natalie cole earth wind and fire uh i mean you know everybody Everybody that that's that's you know classic now, uh, we were listening to all of it, so it was across the board. Cool, cool. Yeah, you talked about being in a uh, church five days a week. I never had to go uh, that much, but growing up, you know, mom <laughs> did make me uh, participate in the choir and participate in the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> usher board, and I couldn't sing a uh, <laughs> couldn't sing a lick. No yeah. way, and I used to detest yeah. having to stay for a uh, all them church <laughs> programs and all that. And oh yeah, afternoon program you got to include those. That's like a whole nother day at four o'clock, and then service evening service at seven o'clock. So you know, yeah, you came up myself, in the church. I told myself when I became a parent, I would never uh, do that to my own kids, and yeah, haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I ironically, you know, I, I I enjoy church. You know, I used to put my clothes out, you know, the night before, 
Um, so I was really, we, we, we really weren't forced, but we, we had a really cool church. You know, my pastor was a multi-instrumentalist um, as well. And so, you know, our church wasn't just your regular church, come from like Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. Um, Bishop Carlos Moody is his name after, and he, you know, we had, I'm talking from like as a kid in the 70s to the 80s, we had full band, percussion, horn players, bass player, guitar player, organ, key, piano. We had synthesizers. I'm talking like every day of the week. So I grew up in that rich environment. And so, you know, I it, it, it really just affected my life in a major way. And that's all I ever wanted to do. But it started in church, like most people. Cool, cool. So in addition to being an amazing songwriter, you're also a musician. What was your yes. regimen when teaching yourself how to play the bass? Um, my, you know, I was nine and my dad uh, went to, uh, took me to like a, a, a Jewish synagogue, like they would have auctions to raise money or they would have pretty cool stuff, new stuff, you know, uh, um, more things from more like the influent neighborhoods that were, you know, around and, you know, you come in and the one time I went with my dad, they were selling a, they held up a, a bass, like a jazz bass, um, cheap, like version copy and $50 and everybody in there was kind of pretty much old elderly and nobody bid it on it. So I told him I wanted it. I jumped up and he, you know, he bought me the bass for 50 bucks. So you know, I took it home and pretty much bike riding, girls, running the streets, <laughs> you know, became a sec, uh, kind of a kind of on the back burner. I just like played that bass um, every day after school, all day after church. Um, and so I was always trying to learn. Um, so it really, you know, bass is the, is the instrument that I probably play, you know, other instruments, but bass is the, 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 the thing that started off um, with me. And it was just pretty much, you know, just as a kid, you know, you can just go into um, uh, a thing and, and bass guitar was the thing for me. And it was just a relentless search of trying to understand how to go from one note to another note from all of this music that I heard in the house, heard that I heard at church, you know, or heard on the radio, heard in the car, you know, and um, I just pretty much just played every day, all day. I hung out, I ran around, I had fun, I did my thing, I chased girls, but nothing really was more important to me you know, than me playing my instruments. And over time, it began to make sense. And then there was one aha moment and it just kind of sort of just, I understood how to get from a note to note to note to note. And then it, it didn't cease from there. I just continued playing, so. Cool. Yeah. Right, so music historians know that Avant's debut single, Separated, originally came out back in 1998 and two years later mm -hmm. it just exploded on the charts when the debut my thoughts dropped so how mm -hmm. did you and Avant end up linking up back in the late 90s yeah yeah um Avant <clears throat> his manager uh his name was Eric Payton and he was a he also 
was discovered managing R. Kelly. They had a really close relationship. And I went on the Mr. Biggs tour um, after I had played on a couple of records and did a couple of sessions with R. Kelly. And so, you know, we went on tour um, for about a year and I met him. Actually, I didn't really, really get to know him. I just always used to see him. He would be around particular different cities. And uh, after the tour was over, I was uh, on Michigan Avenue downtown doing some shopping or whatever. And he rolled past me in the car, blew the horn and stopped. So it was after a year of just kind of seeing one and yell, what's up, man? Hey, hey, whatever. He hops, pulls over, hops out of his car. is like, yo, man, you produce, right? I was like, yeah, you know, I play, produce. And he's like, I got this artist, man, from Cleveland. And his name is Avant. I would love for you to hear him, man. I want you to hear his music, you know, and just see, man, if you'd be interested in working with him. And it all happened on the street corner in the, mid, in the middle of the day. And he played me some stuff. He's like, you know, the demos aren't that good. So, you know, but I, you know, you know, you can kind of hear a voice beyond the demo. And he played the record, a couple of records, and they were like cool, but really bad. But he sounded, I could hear his voice. I could hear his passion. I could hear that tone that's made him, you know, such an icon today. And um, called him on the phone. It was like, yo, this guy, Steve, you know, cold bass player, blah, 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 produce, whatever, man. I, you know, when I met him, you know, just bumped into him, let him hear your stuff. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And he's like, Huff, what's happening? And it was kind of like we just, instantly sounded like we were already you know homeboys so that kind of opened up the the door of of more creativity and, and possibility of a connection so i so we actually over the phone wrote about three or four songs and he would then come to chicago and we would cut the songs and um that's how we met we met from a manager uh, just on on a on a on a street corner honk a horn honk, and that's kind of how it started. And shout out to you guys, man! I mean, you guys have so many classic uh, records. Yeah. All right, so yes. you know, if we're gonna talk about Avant, man, we gotta ask how Miss Kiki Wyatt, the songstress, the amazing vocalist, came to your uh-huh. attention. Yeah, I I, I uh, before I had went actually on tour with R. Kelly. I had uh, I had actually went, I, I had moved to Indianapolis where my attorney lived. I didn't move there actually, I got a place there. And I had a place there and in Chicago. Um, and so I would go back and forth a couple of weeks. We started, we built a studio in Indianapolis. Um, actually Tony Gwynn from the San Diego Padres actually funded it. And so you know, he made me an offer, moved down there. So I had a place there and a place in Chicago. And and my time in Indianapolis, which is where Kiki is from, there are a couple of people that introduced her to me. And um, I met her on a dirt road. I mean, it was a real like dirt <laughs> road in Indiana. And guy said, man, you have to, you have to hear her sing. And she sang. And when I heard her sing, just like everybody else, I was blown away. And, you know, but me being in the game, I hadn't heard anything like her. And I made a promise to her and her parents, you know, that, that whatever, you know, it took 
for me to make a, a, a record, a demo, whatever it was, I was going to see to it that the world hears her. I remember I had that conversation and I was happy that I was able to feel that promise that I made. So Kiki was already on the back burner, not really even on the back burner. She was in the mix when I started working with Avant, which I did his album in Chicago. And eventually I had her come up and I thought about the My First Love, we were thinking of a remake to do. And I thought, well, I have a girl. And he's like, well, who is she? And I told her, talked about her, they talked, flew her in. Of course, he loved her. She sang the song and the rest is history. So she kind of came in on a coattail of um, the My Thoughts album. And that's, that's, that's how we met. But I knew Kiki like about two years before I met Avon. Yeah, shout out to Kiki and Yvonne. Still waiting on that uh, duet album y'all keep promising us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So throughout it's the coming at some point. Yeah. You're making a name for yourself. One of my favorites from that time mm-hmm. was Joe's Treat Her Like a Lady from his My Name is Joe album. Yeah. Why did yeah. you decide to sample uh, Bumpy's Lamont by Isaac Hayes? Yeah, actually... I actually didn't. I actually wrote that song one night in like five minutes. And uh, I had bought Battery Studios in Chicago. And I remember, um, uh, well, actually, I hadn't, I didn't own it yet. I was booking, I was booking it out. And it was a famous studio here, you know, from everybody that was on all the boy bands, Britney Spears, everybody worked here. And our Kelly pretty much was so all of the studios up. But at that particular time, he wasn't there. And I stopped booked the studio out for like two, three months. Um, and I, I knew some of the employees. And so when I wrote that song, I, I, I just was in the messing around with my guitar uh in the room and I was kicking my foot you know on the ground so my engineer's like yo what is that you need to track that man before you know you need to record that so I recorded it I had a stomp in it because I was thinking about Al Green love and happiness and it ended up the 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 basically the note clip or the clip he recorded for me to actually come back to and kind of write it uh, ended up being a sample that I played. And once the song was done, all the production and you know, they thought that I had sampled Bumpy's Lament, but I didn't. I didn't I hadn't actually never heard it. So, you know, I was pissed because I was like, well, you know, music is borrowed. So in, what it ended up, the record company said before a lawsuit happens, we, we need to call them. And we worked out a, a, a deal, um, you know, a percentage uh, for a, a, wasn't a sample. So it was really just more or less just a little publishing that they got from the song. So actually I learned about that song uh, inadvertently from, having to clear that sample or it seemingly to sound so close to that particular sample. So I thought it was cool. Wow. But it originally, yeah, yeah, it originally just came out from, from kind of out of nowhere. And I just remember, tell me when was the last time you brought her roses home from work? I just remember I said that and the song just wrote itself in like, 
a good 15, 20 minutes. Dope. So yeah, man, 2000, yes. you're just all over the place. And you also worked yeah. with uh, the legend himself, Mr. Keith Sweat, on his seventh album, Didn't See Me Coming. Yeah. How did yeah. that collaboration come about? That came about just from kind of at this point, connection, seeing him out, seeing him in Atlanta. Actually, him and, and uh, my manager were really good friends as well. And he finally had made an in introduction. And um, that was really like a phone call, a flight and down there for a couple of weeks. And it was really a smooth kind of connection. And we, we, we became really, really cool. It was cool working with Keith. You know, Keith was the man, you know, he still is the man, but at that time, you know, he was killing the game and um, he's fun to work with. Interesting individual, interesting person. All right, so 2001 yeah. hits and you and Yvonne mm -hmm. have a spot on the Isley Brothers album, Eternal. How was that working with the legends, the Isley Brothers on uh, Secret Lover? That was um that was surreal because the Isley brothers back when I was, you know, <clears throat> just becoming a teenager, actually 14, 15, my sister had given me um Harvest for the World. She introduced me to the Isley brothers and I ended up listening to them, you know, forever and a day, you know, hearing hearing them at the time, you know, on the radio and you know, at the house, barbecues and the whole nine um, to actually end up them in my studio for 30 days, him and Ernie, um, and just working with them, eating with them, hanging with them. It really wasn't like, you know, we work, you go to his room, we get back up the next day. I mean, we worked, we hung out, we ate, we talked. Ernie told me about his writing process, told me about how he wrote Voyage to Atlantis, how he wrote In Between the Sheets. Uh, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. Ronald giving me all of the game and the secrets about, you know, how, how you know, artists in his day worked, you know, where, you know, Marvin Gaye and all of these guys, they were, you know, they were competing. Like, you know, he's talking about like rap beefs, beefs and stuff like that. They had beasts in a more of a competitive way. And he was telling me like, you know, when we would hear another song from another great artist, we knew we had to go in and top that song. So he said, you know, when Marvin Gaye did sexual healing, they had to go back in the studio and figure out what could they do that would beat that. And that uh, was the inception or the, the catalyst to Between the Sheets. And that was just like an amazing story. So it was just a lot of um, game being uh, delivered to a young man. So it was great, amazing. Right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last mm -hmm. time you worked with Avant was in 06 on the song with you. Do you all have any plans to reunite mm -hmm. musically in the future? Uh, you know, I talked to Avant. We talk. Avant is very. Uh, he, Avon is in a, a uh, what's, how can I say, we're all in like different places in our lives. Um, I still feel like there's more that he has, but, you know, Avon worked with me for a long time. 
and we came up with a lot of great music together. And I always, you know, wanted to encourage him to actually branch out and to work with other people. Um, and eventually he did. And once he did, you know, we, we kind of, I won't say we grew apart, but he just started working with other people and we never really worked together again. He needs to actually come and work with me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's we, and, and, you know, I'll talk to him to this day and we'll talk about music and life and the past and records that we made, but I, you know, it, it remains to be seen if we'll ever get back in the studio again. I mean, I'm asked that, I've been being, I've been asked that since the last record that we made. Um, and hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, it happens. You know, you just grow apart, kind of <laughs> like uh, Michael and Quincy after uh, after Bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you lock in. We were locked in for a long time. And, um, you know, I don't know how he took me, to, you know, really, really trying to encourage him to work with other people. But, um, you know, since that time, I haven't worked with him since. You know. Yeah. Well, all right. well, before we get into your uh, solo music, you mm -hmm. know, I, 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 folks were surprised Steve has his own solo stuff out, but we're gonna get into all that. You know, I'm gonna take you on a trip down memory lane mm -hmm. with obscure songs from your catalog that folks might know that you played a part in. And what I want to know is, if the original artist mm -hmm. turned the song down, who would your next choice be? So let's put on that uh, thinking cap and go back into time. Up first is Dave oh, Hollister, boy. You Can't Say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you say, oh, who, who, if he couldn't have taken it, who would I have wanted to have it? Yes, sir. Um, I would think that, I would think Usher. Charlie Wilson, One Way Street. Uh. Definitely, uh, um, what is his name? I'm I'm forgetting his name. Uh, he had the song um, from where I'm from. I'm from Anthony Hamilton. Anthony Hamilton. I'm bugging right now. Anthony Hamilton. Yes, Anthony Hamilton. Love him. Pam and Doty for me, for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually was a gospel song. Um, I think um, hmm. I mean, you know, Mary Mary. <laughs> I've, I've, worked, I've got songs with them too. You didn't have it on the list, but they're they're awesome too. Liberty yeah. City, Florida, loving on your body. Mm-hmm. Um man, Liberty City, they were so good though. Uh probably Trey songs. Strings, all eyes on me. Mm -hmm. Oh well, I mean, you know, right now I would, I would, I would have loved for, or you, so you're saying back then or like now? Either or. Yeah, 
I would love for Cardi to hop on that. That was that was a great song. That was in the Blue Streak uh, soundtrack. Um, Martin Lawrence Blue Streak soundtrack. That that was a great track too. And last but not least, old school besting you. Mm. Honestly, I can't remember that. I can't remember that song. Mm. <laughs> What's the group? So what is a new edition? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big new edition fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that. let's just say, yeah, let's say, let, let, let's say, let's say new edition. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I loved your um, 2007, 2017 debut album. Mm-hmm. I promise. I keep it on, I keep it on repeat. Mm. So, what was your recording process and your writing process for that one? Uh, it's funny, man. My daughter, my daughter grabbed my arm and she just insisted that I do an album. You know, why haven't you done an album on yourself? She's, she's 14 now. So she was, you know, 12, 11 or 12 at that time. And, um, and so what I, I pretty much did, man, is I just kind of did a social experiment and locked myself pretty much in my studio for about six, seven months. And I just recorded every day. I woke up I next to a keyboard, next to my instruments, laid down next to my instruments, woke up next to my instruments, ate, showered, worked out, came back for a consistent six months. Worked with nobody else, did nothing else but work and write on that album. And I just pretty much wrote what I felt at the time and tried to also include, you know, all of my um, my um, music uh, experiences, different artists, different, um, uh, different er uh, errors, um, and that was kind of that was that was the approach, but a but you know, general other than that, it's just pretty much what came out of my 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 spirit, I guess you would say, at that time. Um, so it was just a, it was just literally like no breaks. I cut that record um, really fast, um, but I wrote. I just pretty much locked myself in because I'd never done anything like that. I heard about people doing that. Um and uh that's what I came up with. Yeah. Hell of an album, sir. Thank right, you, so, sir. Speaking of the I'm album I'm glad you you enjoyed it. Yeah, one of my favorites was uh Netflix and Chill. So uh -huh. unlimited budget, <laughs> what's gonna be the video concept for that one? <laughs> I still get requests for to do a video for that song. You know Netflix and chill, the video concept for that song to me was going to be, or will probably be if it happens, it will actually be probably me videotaping uh, a woman, my girl, who's ever Netflix and chilling, actually just dancing, having fun, being silly, being sensual. Um, lingerie you know bathrobe cool chilling but pretty much um all of the attention being on her even though the song is about how you actually set up a netflix and chill scenario that's one of my favorite songs 
on the album as well. Mine too. Also very uh mm-hmm. very tasteful and very uh just grown and sexy without being <laughs> vulgar and you know yeah. not um taking it you know way into left. Yeah. Field. I'm glad you I'm glad I appreciate you um making note of that because that was really the intent that I um initially started with wanting to just create something grown and sexy um like they used to do with innuendos instead of direct shots um mm-hmm. you know just just real classy uh I try to I try to be, keep it classy all the time but that was really my um objective when I started so I'm glad you picked up on that Oh yes, sir. And you know, on my podcast and anytime I, you know, do a review and everything, uh-huh. I always point out that, you know, I'll be 40 uh next year. So the okay. artists that I've grown up with and that I've become accustomed to, I feel like sometimes in R and B, once you're already established, you already have a solid fan base who will pay money to see you live. That's why uh-huh. I'm doing it anyway. You, right. you don't gotta cater to a younger to a younger audience because these kids out here on Twitch and on uh, TikTok mm-hmm. and all that, right? To pay you know hundreds of dollars to go to go see you live, but right. people that are you know out here working out here with four hundred one ks, you know the thirty five and ups, we'll pay money to right. see you live, and we want to hear the old yeah. hits. So you don't have to use profanity in R and B. You don't have to put on a pair of skinny jeans and you know be somebody right. that it's not here demographic. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to conform. You know, you can stay relevant and you can, you know what I mean, you can you can be up on what's happening, but uh it's it's always, you know, it's always best to remember who you are, keep the main thing the main thing. Um but definitely evolve and so on and so forth, but it's very few artists that pick up new fans. You know, and that's what I I say, I mean, you know, there, there are instances, um, but Keith Sweat's fans are locked in. You know, if he focuses yeah. on his fans, he has nothing to do but continue doing what he's doing because no matter how old he gets, his fans are getting older with him, you know. And so it's the same thing from for any artist, you know, old school or, you know, new school is to just you know know who you are stay in your lane and stay true to your fans and it's always cool to you know add uh some new equipment some new sounds some new trends to what you're doing but not necessarily it overtaking what it was that established you because your fans you get no new escapes not you know going to gain a hundred million new fans but escape has millions of fans and they're still around. And if they went on tour, those fans will come out and see them. So, you know. Yeah, totally agree. But it sounds easy, but <laughs> you get people out and they try to compete and try to, you know, become something that they're not and they always lose. Oh, yeah. And it's um, it's one of those things for me, you know, now that I'm older, I kind of like see that. And for... Uh, before the pandemic kind of hit, mm-hmm. um, I made it a habit of always, you know, uh, my mom and I would always have a, you know, a mom and son date night, and her and mm-hmm. I would go see oh, so cool. many um, older acts. You know, I would I would mm-hmm. take her to see like the Whispers, take her to see the Manhattans, take her to see right. you know, uh, 
whoever. Right. Like, you know, these cats haven't released anything new in years, but the music right. is timeless. And they're they're giving better shows than people half their age. And it's hey, absolutely, absolutely. That's going on. They're smart. They they know what's up. They know they know what's up. And um, I mean that's that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, try some new things just as long as you keep the main thing the main thing. And that's 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 makes the difference between those who continue and those who if it wasn't COVID, if COVID wasn't going on. Key Sweat would be singing to a sold out, three sold out shows this weekend. And I mean sold out. Definitely. So as yeah. someone who uh, grew up in the church, was it ever a struggle mm-hmm. for you working in R&B? Uh, no. No. No struggle. It was actually a, a perfect transition because, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of people, you know, parents, you know, with, you know, restricting from listening to certain things or certain, you know, we didn't really have restrictions. We pretty much were allowed to just, you know, listen, try our ears at whatever it was that we wanted. Um, and I think that that uh, made, I mean, honestly, like I brought a lot of R&B back, you know, like into gospel music, into church music, but, you know, I mean, I feel like it's all one and the same. It's just pretty much to a degree, you know, the lyrics change. Um, but the foundation is somewhat similar. I mean, there's a difference. But um, yeah, I, I had no problem with the transition. Um, I was always trying to push the push the needle anyway. So it was it was great going in R and B. Cool, cool. I will probably mm-hmm. let you go. You know, I got to hit you with some uh, some some tough questions, some uh, okay, some, some real hard ones. So up first is, what are five albums every aspiring R and B producer should hear to learn about mm. song structure? Hmm. Um. Definitely any Izzy Brothers record. Um. I think um, I'm kind of flipping what you said, but like any baby face production or record, which is hundreds of those. So you can just pick um, Body uh, Waiting to Exhale, I think is an album um, that he produced. I think, you know, Mary J. Blige was the 411. Um, of course, R. Kelly. And I think, you know, his first record. And then Jay-Z's first record, Reasonable Doubt. Cool. You flipped it on it. Yeah. <laughs> flipped it on you. Who's the one artist left to work? Who's the one artist left for you to work with on your bucket list that you haven't collaborated with yet? Oh, Chris Brown. I really believe that needs to happen and, and, and probably will. All right, and this last one. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee approached you with an idea for a musical film centered on the Steve Huff catalog. 
What are three mm. what are three songs must be included in the film? Um Reach Your Mind. Don't take your love away and separate it. Nice. All from the <laughs> catalog of a bond. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Those songs get played all over the world still to this day. Well, all right. Are you cooking up anything for 2021 <laughs> musically? Another album? Uh, some more um, another another album. I got another two artists that um, are dropping like top of the year. Got a, um, a rap artist. Um, his name is Soon Wealthy. Um, and then another artist. Um, and his name is Westside. And they're real crucial. I'm in the midst of like production um, for them now. And yeah, it's 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 gonna be dope. And then I I've, I'm gonna be getting back in the studio with Kiki as well. So uh, 2021 is gonna be great. Pandemic is trying to shut a lot of stuff down, but I hopefully, you know, before long we'll be coming around the mountain. God is still in control on the throne, you know. Yes, he is. Yes, sir. All right, where can fans find on social media? And is there anything you would like to add? Um, I'm I'm Steve Stonehuff on everything. So from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, that's all Steve Stonehuff. And you can also go to Steve Stonehuff uh, on Apple or any um any site and get my album and check it out and see if you like it and you know, um, I'm just excited about the future, excited about working on myself and, you know, spreading love and being a blessing um, to everyone that I meet, man. And and from there on, you know, God is still in control. I love him and he's given me everything that I have. And I'm thankful and I'm thankful for you for calling me and um, inviting me to be on your show. I really appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Well, all right, folks, you heard it from the man himself. Check his music out on all streaming platforms. Read your album credits. Like I said, Mr. Huff, his catalog is just crazy on everybody he works with. And as I, as I always say, R&B is not dead. You just got to seek it out. And on That's that right. note, you guys know I like to end my stuff with a quote. I don't think about commercial concerns when I first come up with something. When I sit down at the piano, I try to come up with something that moves me. Lamont Dozier. Until the next time, done out. What the deuce? When did I start podcasting? Anywho, today's episode of Reviews and Done is sponsored by the Park Collection and Herbalism. Check them out on the gram. <laughs>